Well, today we're continuing our series entitled Red Zone. And many of us, we feel like we're in the red zone. I don't know about you, but even as we're stepping into 2021, this season has still been challenging. And I know many of us, we feel like 2021 is actually 2022.0. We feel like it's an extension. We're in month 13 of 2020. But I want to reassure you that if you're in the red zone... You're on the threshold of the end zone that God has for you. I believe that God is going to help us cross that goal line and score some points this year. But we're going to let God, the coach of our life, lead us as we're in the red zone so that we can accomplish his purpose in this year. And as I was preparing this message, I began to reflect on some of the lessons learned when teams get to the Super Bowl. For you see, every NFL player hopes someday that they would be in the Super Bowl, and their ultimate hope is that they would eventually be declared a Super Bowl champion. And when teams get to that point, their hopes and dreams are in that moment, and there's always a team that wins and experiences the glory and the the celebration of the moment, but there's always a team that ends up going home hoping to one day again be in the Super Bowl. And so I was reflecting on some of the lessons that we've learned from past Super Bowls. And I was taken back to Super Bowl 51. As some of you remember, it was the Atlanta Falcons versus the New England Patriots. And the Atlanta Falcons went out and they began to win the game. And the whole game, they were leading the game up until the very last play when the New England Patriots tied the game. Once it went to overtime, the New England Patriots won the game And the Falcons lost. It was heartbreaking. It was difficult to watch. But the loss of the Atlanta Falcons was actually a masterclass for the next year. It was a masterclass for the Philadelphia Eagles. They had watched the game and they had watched how the Atlanta Falcons had lost. And they decided, we're not going to give the New England Patriots any opportunity to steal the game from us. And so what did they do? They ran hard and they were aggressive on the ball and they didn't give the Patriots any breathing room. They ran the Philly Philly. They went for a fourth and one. They they did everything that they could in order to win the game and they won the game. The Philadelphia Eagles won the game because they were willing to stay focused and be aggressive and they were willing to stay on offense. And I began to think about us. Often when life gets difficult, we stop and we pull back because it's hard. Many of you, you feel like you're behind in the points. But I want to reassure you that if God is the coach of your life, if you're willing to stay on offense, which is actually the title of my message today, if you're willing to stay on offense, he's going to assure that you win the game. Not about you, but that makes me excited. That God, if he's my coach, he's going to make sure I win the game. That I'm not just going to stay in the red zone and I'm going to be stopped, but I'm going to be able to cross into the end zone and accomplish the purpose that God has put before us. But we must be willing to be strong and courageous and be willing to stay on offense in order to see the fulfillment of God's purpose in our life. And so today I want to invite you to join me in Joshua chapter 1. We're looking again at the story of the nation of Israel as they were about to step into the promised land. I want to invite you to join me there. Open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. And again, if you have the Westover app, I want to invite you 
to sometime this week gather with your life group, gather with a couple friends, a couple coworkers, maybe two or three people, and discuss about how God intends for us to stay on offense in this season so that we can score points and win the game. Let's look at the word of God together, verse 12 and following. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Now let me pause here, because some of you uh, may not fully understand the context. I want to give you a little bit of understanding of what's happening in the text right now. This, this, these uh, three, uh, two and a half tribes, God had given them some land on one side of the Jordan River. In fact, the whole nation of Israel was camping in this area that, of the land of these tribes. And God was saying, God is going to give you rest in this land. But there are still some other tribes that need to cross over the Jordan River, and they need to conquer the land over there. So again, these tribes had already conquered the land that they were in, but there were still some tribes that needed to step in and conquer the land in the promised land. Let's continue. Verse 14, your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross overhead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. He's saying, I've already given you this land, but they have yet to receive the land that's promised to them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan River toward the sunrise. Now, the nation of Israel, these tribes, they had the option to hang back and just relax. But God was challenging them to stay on offense. I want you to say that, stay on offense. We need to stay on offense in this season. I want to talk to you about three ways to stay on offense in this moment. Number one, fight for a better future. Fight for a better future. I believe that all of us as parents, we want a better future for our children and for our grandchildren. We need to fight for a better future. Verse 13 and 14 says this, The Lord your God will give you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all of your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. These tribes had already inherited their promise. And candidly, they could have hung back and said, Hey, we already have our promise. You guys can step in and fight on your own. But God said, no, no, no. I want you to fight for a better future. I want you to step in and get ready for battle and cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. Lead the charge to help them conquer the land. You see, sometimes in life, God challenges us to step out of our comfort zone to step into our calling. We have to step out of our comfort zone to step into our calling. Why? Because you can't fulfill your calling in your comfort zone. There's no way to fulfill your calling in a comfort zone. Everything that God has for you, you're going to have to contend for. Anybody knows, everybody knows that if you want to accomplish anything of great significance, it's going to take challenge. It's going to take difficulty. And I've discovered that God's calling and our comfort are enemies. 
They are not compatible with one another. And we must choose today. Are we going to choose the comfort zone? Are we going to choose and embrace the discomfort and step into our calling? Because comfort is the enemy of progress. And comfort leads to complacency. It leads to complacency. Many of us, we contend for the goals of our job. We want to advance in our business. We want to make more money. But oftentimes, we grow a little bit complacent when it comes to our family, when it comes to our faith experience, when it comes to our physical bodies. Many of us, we just want to hang out, eat a bunch of ice cream and brownies and buñuelos and everything tasty and delicious. But we fail to realize that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and we need to get out and we need to move. We need to step out of our comfort zone. Otherwise, we grow complacent. In the same way, we need to do the same in our faith experience. We must be willing to step out of our comfort zone to step into the calling that God has for us. And I love how these men step up. They hear the call of God and they say, you know what? I'm going to leave my wife, my family, everything behind to accomplish the purpose and the calling that God has put before us. And God is putting that same challenge before us. Are we willing to step out of our comfort zone to step into our calling? I don't know about you, but I want to do that. I want to step out of my comfort zone to accomplish the purpose that God has for me. The other thing that I was thinking about was the fact that these men realized something. They knew that if they didn't take the fight to the enemy, the enemy was going to bring the fight to their camp and attack their family. And they said, no, 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 not on my watch. I'm going to cross over and I'm going to take the fight to them. I'm going to take it to them when they don't expect it. I'm going to fight for their future. I'm going to fight for my kids and my family and my home. Some of you, you need to make a commitment to fight for your home and your family and your children and your livestock. If you have any livestock, fight for it. Fight for what's yours. Defend the house. Protect what's, what's yours. Don't grow complacent. Realize that the enemy wants to take out your family and destroy your marriage and lead your children astray. And you got to say, no, 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 not on my watch. Not on my watch. The enemy, you can't steal my family. You can't steal my marriage. You can't steal their future. We must be willing to push through. They understood their purpose. And many of us, we wonder, why can't we seem to push through and encounter and push against the difficulty of the moment? I believe it's because we haven't fully understood our purpose. I've seen this time and time again, that when your purpose is bigger than your pain, you'll push through. When your purpose is bigger than your pain, you'll push through. If my kids were trapped in a burning building, I would push through the pain to get to them. I might not do it just to get my car keys out of the house, but I would do it for my kids. Why? Because the purpose is high enough. The purpose is big enough. And God is challenging us to say, listen to my purpose. Push through the pain. Push through the pain so you can accomplish what I put before you. Man, this is a call to arms. Those of you who serve in the military, you know this is a call to arms. I want to deputize every man here to realize that you're in the army of God. You are in the army of God. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. We got to fight we got to fight for this family. we got to fight for our church family. we got to fight for what God has entrusted to us. There's no retirement. We don't get to retire. We have to fulfill the mission of the king before us. Here's what happened. Moses and his generation, when they saw the fight, they backed away. And they said, we're going to stay in the wilderness. 
And what happened is God passed over that generation and he gave the assignment to Joshua and the younger generation. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like that generation. I want to be the generation that steps into the promise of God and I'm able to take my kids and my family and my grandkids, should the Lord tarry, into the promised land that God has for them to accomplish the purpose that he has for them. I found that every battle we don't fight gets passed to the next generation, and it's harder for them to win. The battle's before us, men. We must be willing to fight for what God has put before us. And if you believe that, say amen. 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 God wants us to advance. Men, don't let someone else fulfill your responsibility. We need to teach our sons about how to honor women and how to treat people with respect. Don't pass that on to someone else. Don't put the responsibility of their faith experience in the hands of someone else. You teach them at home about how to pray and how to read God's word and why fasting is important and why living out God's word in school is important. That's our job. Don't give it to someone else. Accomplish that. Our sons need to see that from us. Our daughters need to see us, how we treat women. And discover how they deserve to be treated. How we treat our wife if we're married. Or even if you're separated or not with the mother of your children. They need to see us as we treat women with respect. Respect their mom. Even if you're not with them. That's our responsibility. Fight for a better future. If not us, who? And if not now, when? No one else is coming. This is our fight to win. Fight to win, fight for a better future. Number two, to stay on offense is to help others win. Once you've fought for what is yours, help other people win. It's real easy for us to fight battles that we're personally invested in. It's easy for me to fight for my family and my friends and my own future, but it's a whole nother level to fight for someone else. But this was the challenge before these men. Were they willing to fight a battle that ultimately wasn't theirs to advance God's purpose in the lives of someone else? Here it is. Don't quit till everyone wins. Don't quit till everyone wins. In football, the offense isn't the only part of the team that wins. When the offense wins and the defense wins and the special teams wins, the whole team wins. But if one team loses... Guess what? More often than not, the whole team loses. We win and we lose together. We must be willing to ensure that everyone who is in our circle of influence wins and experiences the power of God. This is what verses 14 and 15 says. You are to help them. Say help them. Until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land. He's saying don't get complacent. Just don't run back to your own land and hang back and watch the fight from the bleachers, get in the game. Let me say it again, get in the game. Be willing to fight battles that personally uh, benefit other people. Don't just fight battles that only benefit you. I was reminded by a story of a man in Eastern Europe a couple decades ago. He was a businessman. He found a business that was in foreclosure and he decided to buy it. He said, you know what, I can turn this business around and I can make a whole lot of money. So he bought this kitchenware manufacturing business and he began to make kitchenware. And he began to hire employees and more employees and make more money and make more money and make more money. 
But then he faced some unexpected challenges. The government in his local area started shutting down some businesses, and they said, sir, your business isn't an essential business. We're going to shut you down. And then he realized that some of his employees were being harassed by their neighbors and by some of their other coworkers. So he was facing these difficulties both inside his company and from the outside. But he decided in his heart that he was going to keep the business open. And so what he did is he took all the wealth that he had and he began to bribe governmental officials. Now, I don't recommend you do that. That's not good. Okay, don't do that, please. This is not a recommendation. This is just a story. Okay, but he took his money and he bought gifts and he gave money to these governmental officials because he knew he had to keep his business open and he had to keep his employees employed. But somewhere in the middle of the difficulty, his priorities shifted from making money to people. His purpose went from making money to saving his employees. And so as the money was going out and he was paying them off and doing all these different things, the sad news is that that this man went broke. He lost all that he had to save his employees. But the good news is that Oscar Schindler saved 1,200 Jews from a Nazi concentration camp and from assured destruction. He realized that it was worth going broke to save other people who had no ability to save themselves. He was willing to fight a fight that he didn't have to fight, but he was the kind of man, something shifted in his heart, and he realized, I have to do something about this. I want to challenge you, man. Just don't stand on the sidelines and watch challenges happen in front of you when you have the ability to make an impact. Don't just let the, let the difficulties go on and on. Fast forward to today. There's an estimated 10,000 Jews, they're called Schindler Jews, who are alive because one man was willing to say yes to a fight that he didn't have to fight. And they're alive because of his faithfulness in that moment. I don't know about you, but that stirs something in my spirit. I believe that reflects the heart of God. We need to defend the orphan. We need to take care of the widows. We need to take care of, of foster kids who need to discover Jesus. We need to be able to serve here at Westover and give our heart and share a smile. Some of us, God's been challenging us to step in. So I ask you today, I want you to reflect in your own heart. What is the challenge that God has put before you? What is the battle that he is inviting you to fight to help others win? Maybe it's to stand in the hallway and share a smile as a greeter on our guest experience team. Maybe you have a passion for kids and students and you need to step in as a little small group leader, as a small group leader for little kids or students and invest in the next generation. Maybe you, some of you, God has blessed you with wealth and he's challenging you to use your finances to make a kingdom impact. Whatever God has put in your hands, be faithful with it. Be willing to use that to make an impact and help other people win. Don't just hold on to the blessings that God has blessed you. Sometimes what I've discovered is that God is a blessing to us, but he also desires to be a blessing through us. Don't hold on to blessings that are not earmarked for you. Don't steal the blessing that God has given to you so that you can use it to make a kingdom impact. 
and trust it to the Lord. He'll tell you, he'll be very clear about how you can use your time, your energy, your finances, your resources, your, your focus to make a kingdom impact in the lives of someone else. Let's help other people win. And number three, to, to stay on offense, is to receive God's rest. Some of us, we need to rest in Jesus. When I look at the game of football, there's always a halftime. There's always an opportunity for the team to pause, regroup, catch their breath so that they can finish the game. Many of us, were in this season and we keep going and going and going and thinking that if we push harder and harder and harder, we'll accomplish it. But God is inviting us to receive his rest. We need to receive his rest. This is what verses 13 through 15 says. The Lord your God will give you rest. He will give you rest. But not only to you, but also to the people around you. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest. Now some of you, you need rest. I see posts online from people at 2 and 3 in the morning. They can't fall asleep. And then when they're able to sleep, they wake up and they're not rested. Sleep and rest are not the same thing. Rest is when you're settled in your spirit and you're at peace. And I want to share two encouragements for you today. Number one, if you are having a hard time resting, I want to challenge you that if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to keep you up at night, it's big enough to pray about. Here's what I recommend. Grab a notebook, and before you go to bed, write down everything that you're thinking about and worrying about. But don't just leave it in the notebook. Take it to the Lord. And say, God, I'm worried about this. I'm thinking about this. I need you to help me with this. I don't know how you're going to solve it, but I put this in your hand. For you see, worry is prayer that excludes God. It's a form of prayer, but it pushes God out of the way. We must be willing to worry in the presence of God. This is the example we see in the book of Psalms. We see David and the other writers saying, God, don't you see the challenges I'm facing? Don't you see the struggles that I'm facing? They're taking those worries to him. And then God begins to reassure them. And number two, number two, let go and let God. Let God be in charge. Once you give those worries to him, don't take them back. Don't give them to him and then take them back. Be willing to entrust them to him. He cares about you. He wants to provide rest to you. This is physical, emotional, and relational rest. But there's another rest that he intends for us to experience, and that's spiritual rest. And it's the promise of eternal rest. And so today as I close, I want to invite everyone to stand. No one moving. Set aside your phones. Set aside the distractions. God intends for us to experience his eternal rest and to rest in him i was thinking about this many of us can be rested in our body but not rested in our spirit because we don't know the lord god intends for each one of us to experience him and i want to share with you a passage from the book of hebrews hebrews chapter 4 this is talking about god's eternal rest let me read this for you god's promise of entering his rest still stands so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Many of us, we're like those tribes who have already experienced the promise of eternal life. 
We've already made a decision to follow Jesus. But God is challenging us today to not stop fighting and contending for the people around us who don't know Jesus. We ought to tremble that some of those who are around us might fail to experience the transformative, life-changing power of Jesus Christ. For only we who believe can enter his rest. That's what God's word says. Only those of us who have made a faith decision to follow Jesus may enter into God's permanent rest, eternal life. But today there's hope. If you've never made a decision for Jesus, or it's been a long time since you followed Jesus, I want to reassure you that God is still, he still has hope for you. Listen to this in verse 7. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. Say today. Today. Today when you hear his voice, this is what God's word says, don't harden your hearts. Some of you, if you've, as you've heard me speak, you've sensed the tug on your heart. That's God speaking to you. He's saying, not only do I want to help you fight the battles that you're facing, but I also want you to receive my rest. Not only your physical body rest, but spiritual rest as well. But we must make a decision to say yes to him, to let him lead our life. And saying yes to Jesus is as easy as ABC. A, it's admitting that you need Jesus, that you're a sinner, and you need redemption. It's B, believing in your heart that Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sin, but also to ensure that you would have eternal life. And C, you confess from your heart and through your words that you want him to be the Lord of your life, to be in charge of your life, and to save your life. And so today, I want to challenge you not to harden your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Jesus is alive, and he wants to provide life and hope to you. So I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes, no one looking. I want to give you a private audience for the Lord. Some of you who are here today, you've never made a decision for Jesus. But others of you, you've strayed away. And God is saying, I have a plan and a purpose for you. I want you to say yes to me. And so if you're here today and you've never made a decision for Jesus, or you'd like to recommit, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. One, two, three. Yes, yes. I see dozens of hands going up. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, up in the balcony, I see you. Yes, yes. For those of you who raise your hand, this is the most important moment of your life. It's an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus. And so I want to invite the entire audience. Let's invite God into this moment. And let's pray this prayer together, loud and proud. Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm tired and weary. You're my only hope. I ask you to forgive my sin and give me a hope and a future. There are battles I'm fighting. I can't win without you. But today I want to receive your rest. So I say yes to you. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life, today, tomorrow, 
and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. We'd love to encourage you in this journey. We invite you to text New Life to the number on the screen. We want to encourage you. We want you to step into the purpose that God has for you. We want to see you advance and discover that God is the best way to live and that it is a purpose for you. And that as you're in the red zone, he's going to carry you into the end zone of purpose that he has for you. So today, in a moment of celebration, I want us to worship the Lord together. Let's commit to follow him wherever he leads us.